Today, in episode 55, we're speaking with Wes Johnson, a PA school professor. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 55. I'm really excited about this interview. Am I ever not excited about an interview? Let's be honest, but I really am excited about this one. I'm Savannah. If we haven't met, I am a dermatology PA and the host of the Pre-PA Club podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. I'm really excited. In the next couple weeks, we're going to have a Q&A episode, and I've gotten some voicemail questions coming in. If you didn't know that you can do that, you can leave a voicemail question by going to thepaplatform.com slash podcast. If you do it on the computer, you'll see a button on the right side where you can click and leave a voicemail. So if you have a burning question, make sure you go do that before our upcoming episode and I'll make sure to get you included. Um, This episode is sponsored by MyPA Resource. And MyPA Resource is a personal statement editing service. I do edit for them and we only use PAs to edit your personal statements, which is very important um, because we know what we're looking for and what the PA admissions are looking for, more importantly, and you're going to hear more about that in our interview. But um, if you use the code PREPA Club, you can get a discount on that service. Now, a few weeks ago, I had Brian Palm on here. Um, I believe it was episode 51, and he is the creator of My PA Resource. We talked about a special announcement that we wanted to share that we couldn't share at the time, but guess what? Now's the time. So I'm going to bring him back on so that we can tell you a little bit about that. So we're really, really excited because we have teamed up to help the AAPA, which is the American Academy of Physician Assistants, to expand their benefits for pre-PA members by offering exclusive discounts on the services from the PA platform, my PA resource, PA school prep, and other pre-PA materials. And this isn't something they've ever done before. Um, so yeah, now you have a reason to join. We are like really excited. If you're if you're not a AAPA member yet, they are revamping their whole pre-PA membership. And so if you go to aapa.org and go to the membership tab and look at the pre-PA um, website, you'll be able to see a list of all the discounts and offers that they have. And I think the membership is pretty affordable. And with the amount of discounts that you get, like you're going to be saving money. Your membership is basically going to be free if you go through with all the discounts that they offer. So it's a great deal. But also, it'll benefit you on your applications and everything to show that you're an AAPA member and benefit the profession that you're looking to get into. Yeah, it's great to show that you support your profession that you want to do, but also the AAPA is a great place to get the information you're looking for about PAs and what it means to be a PA and all the legal stuff and legislative stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that's going on with our profession, I mean, they are the biggest organization for PAs, and so this will help you just kind of get involved earlier and... uh, you know, kind of know what you're talking about more when you get when you end up getting to interviews and everything. If they do ask you questions about what's going on with the profession and, um, like I said, current events and stuff, this will just kind of give you some background and benefit you in the long run. So yeah, so check so, it out. Excited, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're really excited. Um, but thanks for jumping back on here to share that, Brian. And no, yeah, if you sure. have any questions about it, let us know. Woo. 
I'm glad Brian added that last little woo in there, but that does not even encompass how excited we are about this. So the membership is $100. Right now they have a promo code where you can get $25 off of your membership, and then you get those discount codes for the PA platform, My PA Resource, PA School Prep, and the Applicant's Manual for PA School. A lot of great stuff. Um, if you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. And then in our Facebook group, the Pre-PA Club, we've been talking about it a lot there, and um, that's also another great pl place to ask questions. So, um, really excited about it. The AAPA, I mean, it is a big deal. They are the resource and just kind of the body that brings us all together as PAs. So, really, really excited about that. Um, all right, let's jump into our interview. So, when I reach out to people on Instagram, which is where I usually find podcast guests about coming on the podcast, I don't always think they're going to say yes. And this one, I wasn't sure, honestly, because he had a new account and I was really excited and I just wasn't sure if he would want to come on. So I'm so, so happy that Wes Johnson was willing to come on here and share with you guys about his experience going from a clinical PA to now working in academics as a faculty member, as a PA professor. And so he is on Instagram. And um, yeah, so we go over a lot of stuff. And I think you are going to find this extremely helpful if you are in the middle of applying or planning on applying in the future. So look him up on Instagram at the underscore PA underscore professor. And I'll put that in the description as well. All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm Wes Johnson. I'm a PA professor at a university in Alabama. Um, so my journey was kind of a, a roundabout way. I started off as a respiratory therapist. Um, I worked at a children's hospital for about two years. Did an internship with a flight team, and through there I started precepting some of the respiratory students and uh, found that I you know enjoyed it a lot. Uh, really really enjoyed teaching. Um, decided I wanted to either go back to med school or PT school or do something else. Um, I wound up meeting a guy that worked on the trauma unit at one of our hospitals who was a PA. And after talking to him and deciding what I wanted to do in the future, decided to go that route. So I went back to PA school, finished that up about six, seven years ago now. It was like a long time. Uh, I've always done ER. That's the first thing I did when I finished and I've been there ever since. Um, Four years ago, I started precepting students from one of the universities here in our state. And uh, the more I precepted, the more I realized that I enjoyed teaching more than doing. Um, so after doing that for a while, decided to go back and got my doctorate. Um, and then uh, wound up uh, a great opportunity opened up with one of my old professors. He became a director of a program, so he brought me on board. And I've been here for a few months now. Cool. So you're kind of starting something new. Fresh yeah. The... yeah, it's been a process. <laughs> I had no idea what all went into it until now. It's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, going back, so you did respiratory therapy. Do you feel like that's good experience for PA school? It helped me a lot, um, especially for, for work. You know, I, I went into more of the critical care side of things. So mm -hmm. knowing how to run the vents and hemodynamics, knowing uh, all that type of thing really, I, I think, gave me a bump. Um, the program I went to in school, we had track options for our uh, the rotation year, um, and I wound up doing a thing called the trauma track. And so we spent a lot of time up in the unit and the trauma ICU, burn ICU, and 
knowing how to work the vents and some of the hemodynamic monitoring, I think really gave me a, a boost for that. So it was definitely helpful. And then ABGs were good. Uh, I've, I've been doing some adjunct lectures, getting ready to come on full time the last few years doing arterial blood gas stuff. So that was kind of a a good bump. A lot of students seem to struggle with that one. Yeah, I I could use a refresher. We don't see much of that in Derm. We don't really talk <laughs> about that at all, actually. Um, well, once you got to PA school, how did your application process go? Was that something that was pretty easy for you? You got in your first time or was there something that was difficult about it? Yeah, so I, uh, my, my wife was actually in college when I was applying. So I had to put all my eggs in one basket and just go to the school that was in the area that we were in, which luckily for me was my first choice is actually where I went to respiratory school. Um, I knew a couple of the professors already just because they, they had some big interprofessional kick there. So some of the PA students had done some interprofessional uh, course cases with us in RT school. So that helped. Um, but I actually wound up getting in my, 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 my very first cycle, which was good. Now, granted, you know, my, I was not a straight A student. Um, <laughs> I, I was one of those working students. Like I said, I, I, I was married. So and I, I interview students now and look at their grades and it kind of blows me away. But I, I, I will say if, if you're looking just at grades, that's not all that, that we look at. That's about half. You know, a big part of it is going to be your reference letters or, a, and you know, for a, a bunch of schools out there, not, not all, but for a lot of schools, your work history really comes into play about 50%. I know the school I went to, that was half which I think kind of gave me that bump. I probably had a three, five, three, six, but I'd worked so much as an RT and shadowed so much with the PA. I think that kind of boosted me up a little bit. Okay. That's, I was going to ask you just kind of now that you're in this position where you're teaching PA students and I'm sure I know at my program, everyone's involved with the application process. I think with PA school, it's such a quick turnaround that you're almost constantly doing something with either the application process or new students because the program's only two years. So every year you get new students. Um, As far as GPA, I feel like GPA is what comes up the most that people have the most questions about. I know, and you'll probably get this too now that you're on Instagram, I get so many messages almost daily my GPA is a 2.79. Do I have any hope? My GPA is a 2.8. What can I do? And my advice is always go take more classes. You've got to get it up. Um, It's not a death sentence, but it does need to be improved from what I've seen of people who have gotten in. What are your thoughts there? Yes. You know, whenever the college students come by our office and talk to us, I'm, I'm usually not brutally honest, but you know, I try not not to give false hope. Uh, you know, for for our program, if you're under a three zero, you, you can't even apply. Um, so I always tell them, you know, it's it it's best to go and just start taking more classes. If you can take some graduate classes, did a lot of programs like ours will give you an extra bump for that. Um, once you get over a three zero, if you're like our program, what we do. So we have three separate GPAs that, that we evaluate. So we look at overall, we also look at last 60 hours, and then your science GPA. And then if you have an advanced degree or some master's classes, you get you know one to two bonus points pop on your application. It, it winds up being a scale of 100%, and sometimes those two extra percentage points can kind of bump you over or not. 
but the, the best thing to do is, is whatever schools you are interested in, just hop on their websites. Most of them will tell you what the typical class average is, you know, their work histories, what their GPAs were, GRE scores. And a lot of them will tell you if they evaluate different GPAs. Almost every school in the country is going to look at science first overall. And then a few of them, like ours, are going to take your last 60. So if you goofed around your freshman year and screwed up, but then your last three years, you work pretty hard. That does come into play. But would you still need that 3.0 overall? Yeah, yeah we will not yeah. even interview you without having that. So, yeah, and that's something that I kind of tell people, like, you've got to check all the boxes. Um, yep. And if you can't, essentially, you're just, like, their application won't even get looked at. Is that correct? We never see it. You don't see it. That's why, yeah, it gets weeded out. Yeah, so you before... probably get thousands. Yeah, but, but the, the applications that we see have actually already gone through a process. So they, it goes to admissions. Admissions will have a form that we've built for them, and we'll get, let, let's say that we have four to 500 applications. We'll see maybe 150 of them. Gotcha, yeah. And there we'll take a look at the references and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you don't have our minimums, CASPA just bumps them out. Yeah, that's what I try to explain to people too, but I think coming from you, they're going to – believe it a lot more than coming yeah. from me so. if, if you don't have the minimums there's no use in applying you, you, you have to at least get to that point yeah okay well let's jump back to your journey so you went into er is that kind of you had that background in trauma is that the field you wanted to be in it is i, I really enjoyed trauma i like the icu um but what i found was i preferred the bay more and so instead of doing the ICU thing, I decided to be in the in the thick of it, which is what I enjoy, that quick, dirty, you know, high-intensity <laughs> medicine, see a little bit something different every day. What I found was being on the unit, I just got tired of looking at the same vent settings and doing minor tweaks to vent wane. That just wasn't something I enjoyed. And what I found I really enjoyed was being down there in the bay, taking care of the traumas. And so... For the PAs, the, really the, the ER is probably the best place for me because at most of your level one centers, you're fighting with residents down in the bay. So the trauma center that we have, it's it's, it's heavily, the, the ICU is heavily run by PAs and the staff resident service. And it just wasn't something that I wanted to do long term. And also I knew that I, I wanted to go back and teach and I didn't really want to do family medicine or clinic work. So to keep you know, in touch with everything out there, ER is probably the best decision for me. Gotcha. So going into your job in ER, you kind of already knew that you may end up wanting to teach one day? I did. You yeah. know, I, I knew that I was going to give myself at least two or three years just to practice and get my feet wet. And then I started taking students. And the more students I took, the more I realized that I enjoyed the teaching aspect more than the, the seeing <laughs> patients. So I've I've dropped down now. I've, I probably work three days clinically a month and the okay. rest of the here well that was one of my questions because i know my professors they all did at least i think one half day a week or something just depending on what field they were in so is that a requirement for a professor to like still keep up your clinical skills or is that just by choice no it's it's, it's not a requirement it also depends on your school mm-hmm. so you know depending on what school you're at you can negotiate a release day for clinic which is what our school does and our school actually prefers it it's, it's never going to be required but you know if I, I feel like if you're teaching it you should at least be doing it some yeah um, and so 
you know, there's there's four of us right now. We're we're going to wind up going to eight once we seat our third class. But wow. we're we're all going to be given at least one day clinically to do whatever you feel like doing. We have one of our guys that still goes and scrubs in once a week and just does first assist stuff. And one guy does urgent care. I just bum around the ER for a day a week. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, during PA school, and we have a lot of, it's kind of a lot of people starting these August programs. Um, what did you find most challenging about PA school or most surprising? It was gross, honestly. That that course, I studied yeah. for gross anatomy more than any other class combined, and that was partially because, like I said, I I did not do the uh, traditional college route. Um, I went to my fr- freshman and sophomore years of college. I went to night school, then worked during the day, and our, our my night school anatomy class was honestly a joke. And so I got to gross anatomy and really really had to work at it. You know, in, in RT school, I could probably study the night before and, and do okay. For gross, I was studying the moment after class finished. I went to the library and hit the books. Um, the the second hardest thing for me, and there there are some people out there that can relate to this. My my wife and I had a child in my second semester. Oh gosh, who uh, who wound up being a NICU baby. So that was. It was not easy. Um, it was not expected, and it wasn't something that we planned by any means. So, oh wow, <laughs> it worked out. You know, I, I I will say one thing about most graduate medical programs is you're going to have a pretty tight knit group of people that are stuck together almost every day, and you'll form lifelong friendships. So our, mm-hmm. our support group was good, which definitely helped. That really threw a wrench into things. I had to used to being a new dad plus a grad student all at the same time. Oh, I cannot even imagine. I have a two-month-old, so yeah. um, we're <laughs> and she was she was not in the NICU, but we're there. We're we're learning. Um, it, it actually helped out. I was doing my my first year OR rotation, and so I would actually she, she was actually in the hospital I was scrubbing at. So I would scrub in, then go downstairs and hang out with her in the NICU, and then go back upstairs. Oh, well, at least that was convenient. That's what well, my my husband's a resident, so when I was in the hospital and things he would be working and come see me and then go back to work maybe i'm on the sixth floor and he's on the fifth floor um it's kind of funny but cool um yeah any advice for parents in pa school it's it's time management Uh, (laughs) i mean that that, that's all it is you know you're 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 gonna have the days where you feel like uh a terrible parent because you're not home you're stuck up in a library but just what, what what i had to do was just on sunday nights i would plan my week out and you know there, there there's always going to be moments where your plan isn't going to come to fruition but if you'll just get really good time management and also if you have it a support system is really nice you know our, our family was probably two hours away but there were some weekends they'd come up stay the weekend and just give us a break you know, my, my, my wife was out of school by that point, and she was working nights, and I was on rotations, and just having one day just to hang out and kind of decompress was, was a huge boost for us. Yeah, support system. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> for sure. Um, so now that you're transitioning from your clinical position to an academic position, um has that been difficult? Was it hard to leave your your clinical job, or are you just so excited about teaching? Yes and no. I mean, you know, I, I I've been in the same ER for five years, so it's you know the the one thing about the ER, which I tell everybody, 
it's it's the one place where it's a very tight-knit family everybody has their role and if one role doesn't work the whole thing falls apart and so you, you get very close with your nursing staff and the docs you work with and really everybody i mean evs stuff you're, you're you're all very close and so that was hard for me to leave them behind um but like i said i've been working on my my doctorate for four years with the anticipation of always leaving once i finished it so it must have been new back in december when i finished up that it was it was time for me to start looking elsewhere and i i always had one school on my radar to go to and uh, it, it wound up that this school i'm at now kind of stole me away and i i don't regret that decision at all you know i've got a a second child now and so i'm, I'm home a lot more that the, the one downside of the er that it's it's never closed and i was tired of missing christmases and weekends and not being home enough and so this this has been a good uh, good boost for my family and for my career but i'm home for dinner every night I don't miss birthdays and it's it's definitely a a, a good move for me. That's awesome. Um, so being on the side of things you're on now, what advice do you have as far as, we talked about the application process a little bit, but when it comes to, I think the biggest things people worry about are personal statements and interviews. Any mm-hmm. just tips that, like you personally, what is going to stand out to you or what are, I guess either in a good way or a bad way um, when it comes to those parts of this process. So personal statements, and I'm just going to toss this out there because people need to know it. Um, There are a a lot of people that will hire professional writers to do those for them. Most schools, when you get to interviews, you're going to have to do a writing portion. And if we compare them and they look nothing alike, it's not going to go over well. And we've, we've run into that before at, at programs I've helped in interview before. We, we know, so please don't do that. I've had people email me and ask me to do that or we, tell me about a service that they found that does that. It is crazy. People find out. Please do not do that. There is a difference in having your essay, like, like at, gain at, opinions at, and have it proofread, uh, then proofread it and you edit need to it. write your own essay. Thank we you for saying that. Out. Yes, so I'm just going to toss that out there. Just don't do it. It, it never ends well. I, you know, absolutely give it to somebody, have them proofread it, maybe edit it some. But if you don't write it, we're we're going to find out once we have you because the majority of schools are going to have you write something once you're on campus for interviews. And it, it doesn't matter what you write. We honestly just use those to compare it. So that being said. Um, one big thing that, that we always look at for personal statements is that you understand the profession. That's that's a big deal to us. Um, and we get students sometimes that do not. They really they show up. They don't know what the profession is. We ask them just simple questions like, why do you want to be a PA once they get here? And they can't answer it. So I think that that's a big one. Um, you know, if you have an interesting story as to why you became a PA, that's really something that you should do. I mean, just a... a my, my personal statement, and I'll open up. When I was 18, I got misdiagnosed with a brain tumor. That kind of rocked my world. You know, it, it wound up being just a benign arachnoid cyst, which isn't that, that big of a deal. But that kind of, at that point, I was looking into going into computers. But uh, after that happened, it kind of shook things up, and I moved more towards the medical field. And that, that's how I got here. And that, that's, a, that's an interesting story. It's something that's going to capture the audience. You know, if you talk about 
just random things that don't connect and that that kind of stuff just it, it really turns us off and doesn't make us remember you um as far as interviews go what, what i told all the students who used to shadow me is look the school up beforehand once you get to school you know just about every school has all their information on their website know who the professors are know what sets that school apart if you can bring that kind of stuff up in the interview whenever we go and talk about you later we're going to actually remember okay this person wants to be here we're not just one more school on this list even if we are one more school on the list that's fine but make it so that that particular school knows who you are and knows why you want to be there as opposed to somewhere else so that that's always a big deal and if it's a school that, that you really want to go to one thing that you can ask and and this is kind of touchy some people like it and some people don't depending on, on who you're interviewer is but ask if you don't get in this year what steps can you take next year and there's some people that that like that no there, there are some that don't but if if you ask me that question i'm going to appreciate it to know that you you want to be here and we'll we'll work with you you know there, there's plenty of people that don't get in their first cycle and we'll work with you the next year to figure out what we can do to help you out you know the fact that you got to an interview is a pretty big step it means that we're definitely interested it just may mean that you were one step below somebody else and maybe next year after you work, you're a step above. Mm, those are really, really good tips, like I said, especially coming from you. Um, okay, well, I know you started your Instagram, and I'll link to that in the description so everyone can follow yeah. you on your, that's how I found you, on your new new journey. But what are you going to be teaching? Yeah, so my my role here is probably going to be Clem Ed, and okay. then also... Um, I'm the only person on the department right now that has a research-based doctorate, so I'm, I'm going to do a lot of the stats cool. and then I'm gonna help some of the other programs out with their statistical stuff. So very nerdy, but I I, I enjoy it. But I'm a I'm a big ClinMed guy, so I'm going to help out with that. And then we're going to have some OR labs. I'll probably tag in, but there's some other guys that scrub in way more than I do now. So they'll, they'll handle most of that. But my my big thing is going to be doing ClinMed and the research projects. Cool. That's yeah. so exciting. Yeah, like I told you at the beginning, that's something I've always kind of thought and dreamed about. And my program, um, we actually had to do a rotation as a TA, which was kind of cool because you had to kind of learn about all the background stuff that you have to do to keep yeah. a program running. But it was, it was actually pretty neat. So, awesome. yeah. Anything no, you want to add or... Yeah, I'll say you know, if, if, if you do have any interest in teaching or, or being a preceptor or anything like that, uh, find somebody that, 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 that can be a good mentor to you, which, which I did. The, the guy that taught my clin lab class and was the guy that I met in TBI when I was in respiratory school. He wound up leaving TBI, became a professor later. He's actually a program director at a different school now. But you know, whenever I decided that I kind of wanted to look into this, he was a great mentor. He walked me through the steps, kind of helped me decide what my career goals were going to be. Um, just have somebody that can that's already there that's willing to kind of lend you a hand to climb that same ladder. I mean, I I wouldn't be here without him. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I I really like, or I get people asking about like, oh, I have these other interests. Can I still be a PA? And I feel like there's a lot of other things you can do as a PA or ways to get involved in other things and still keep all of your interests. So yeah, oh, yeah. that's Absolutely. awesome. 
Well, yeah, well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me, and I think this is really valuable. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right, so what do you think it would be like to be interviewed by P.A. West Johnson? He sounds really nice, but I think he could probably do an intimidating interview, too. So if anyone interviews with him, let me know. But, yeah, so thank you so much to the PA professor for coming on and just sharing his insights from, I mean, really an insider's point of view. And I think so much valuable information, so many great points to take away. But if you have any further questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me. Check out thepaplatform.com. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. You can also leave your questions in your review, and I'll be answering some of those coming up. So thank you so much. Everyone have a great weekend, and I'll see you guys next Friday. Bye.